very, very familiar portion of Scripture in 1108, the Schofield Reference Bible. It would be a very unusual passage, but we're going to look on this idea, the road to revival. And you may want to put your little mark there for the next couple of Sunday nights. Because we'll be hanging around at this passage. And again, it may seem a little strange uh, that the road to revival would start here. But actually, it'll come to light as we get into the series a little more. And so tonight, if you would, find your place, stand with me. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. For when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. With the help of God, we will look at this ideal of on the road to revival, the big picture. I want us tonight to look to the big picture. I'm going to ask Daryl Church to lead us to the throne of grace. Amen. Let me see him. Good to have Kaylee Smith and her grandmother with us tonight. Appreciate them being here. What is revival? If I were to ask each of you to stand to give me your definition of revival, what would it be? Some would say, well... Revival is shouting and praising God and swinging from the chandeliers and they say that's how I equate revival. Some believe revival to be that which folks are saved. They equate that as revival. Dr. House said once, when asked a question, he said he believed we ought to do all we can for the glory of God and let the next generation decide if we've had revival or not. Pretty good answer. I fear for many of us, when we start talking about revival, we want to a quick fix so we can go on living our lives without interruptions and without making a major difference. Let me say again. I fear we only want a quick fix so we can go on living our lives without major interruptions and not making a difference. 
I will say this. If no revival comes, the people of God are doomed to live without the victory that is rightly ours. In 1989, I was privileged to hear a message on uh, this thought. Why do we have to beg God? And the pastor used this illustration. He said, God has an enormous White House. And he has everything we could possibly need. And we take our truck... And he said, we back up to the door. And we say, okay, God, fill it up. And God opens the door and says, I'm so sorry. I really want to fill it up. Praise Lord, $1,506.80 missions. Hallelujah. I really want to fill it up, but it's too much in the truck. I need you to go clean out the truck and then I can put it in. So we go to the dump and we, we throw out the big stuff. We quit a cussing. We quit, we quit our slipping around and drinking or smoking wacky weed or whatever we do. And we come back, we back up to the truck, to the door and God says... Gosh, I'm sorry. I, I really, I really want to put something in your truck. But, but I, I, I can't. Just, just look. The corners and it's all full of dirt. I thought about taking some pictures of some of your truck beds and it would fit real good for this illustration. Amen. And I, and I'd say, but, but look at all the trash. You know, that unforgiveness that you, you, you're gonna hold on to, that bitterness and that, uh, that old pride and all that selfishness and all that's just in the bed. You, you, you're gonna have to go wash and clean it out. If you'll just get it clean, then come back and I will fill your truck. And I fear too many of us Drive away and say, I just can't do that. I might need that, what I have in my truck. As a matter of fact, it's hard to comprehend this, but I believe some folks won't turn loose of their unforgiveness because then they got nothing else to talk about. They got nothing else to to complain about. They won't give their, their, uh, selfishness or their pride because they, they like it. They want to keep it. Because if they give it up, then they won't have nothing else to talk about. Oh, my, I say revival, I believe, is us, per se, clean out the back of the truck. That was in 1989. And that message is real tonight in my heart as it was the first time I heard it. I'm constantly 
inspecting the bed of my truck and seeing what's there. And I got to clean it out. Because I want God to give revival. Well, for that to happen, God approaches one of his apostles. Simon, Simon. By the way, let me say this. That was his natural name. That was his Adamic name, if you will. And the Lord was addressing him as the man he was. I believe, if I know God doesn't have favorites, but if he did, Peter might have been one of his favorites. You can't knock the dude. He was willing to do so much more than what most of the disciples was willing to do. He was always up front, quick to give a word of testimony, quick to do something for the glory of God, sometimes stick his foot in his mouth, but yet he was willing. And God said, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan had desired to have you. They may sift you as wheat. Simon, I I need to show you a picture of something you don't see. I need you to see the big picture. There's a war raging, Simon, and it's bigger than you. And it's bigger than us. It was going on before Simon got on the scene. And it'd be going on when Simon drops off the scene. Note the word hath. Satan hath. Has the ideal that God and Satan have been having discussions about Simon has the idea they they are being engaged in conversation. And I don't know about you, but I have prayed many times. God, if you and Satan are going to get in this discussion or conversation, please don't bring my name up. Just leave me out of it. I find in Job chapter 1 and verse 6, That was the day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord, saying, Going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. What what Satan said? God, I've been going up and down your world. Ain't ain't nobody bothering me. Ain't nobody doing nothing. Uh, Everybody's worthless. Ain't nobody doing nothing in your kingdom. By saying to God Almighty, nobody's a living for you. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Time out. God, did you talk to Job before you brought his name up in the conversation? God, did you send Job a text saying, I'm going to bring... I'm going to use your name in a in a conversation. Would it be okay if I use your name? Truth of the matter was, did did Job get a call and say, uh, Job, this is God. 
If you don't mind, I'm going to use them. No. God brought him into a conversation, and Job was brought into a conversation he had no say so about. And for the next, for the next while, his life is going to be turned totally upside down. And Job did had no idea what was taking place. Now I believe Job is put there for our benefit. For you and I to recognize that no matter what the trial is in life, God's the answer. God's the answer. And so, Job had no knowledge. The Bible says in Romans 15, For, for whosoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we might through patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. But when it comes down to the end of it, the Bible says that Job sinned not against God. And Peter, Simon Peter need to see that big picture. Tonight, Solid Rock Baptist Church, I want us to, to unroll the heavens for a little while and see the big picture. And you've got to see this or revival will trip you up. You start seeking and longing and desiring for God to give a revival. Then all of a sudden, you're going to be engaged in a fight and you need to understand where that fight comes from. First of all, we see the origin of the fight. Isaiah 14, verse number 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which disweakened the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit among the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And I will be like the Most High. Where's the origin? It's the day that pride filled Lucifer's heart. Now let me, let me show you this. Let me see if I can paint you a picture. Satan is in charge of a third of the angels. And I believe he's on earth leading a choir. He's got built-in orchestra. I mean, he's got every instrument built in. Opens his mouth and the music flows. Amazing. And the choir gets to singing. And the choir got higher and higher and higher and higher. Praise and glory to God. Then Lucifer said, My goodness, what am I doing down here as an angel? I need to be up there. I need to be God. And immediately he began to take that glory. And his pride said, I will set my throne with God. I, I tell you, I'm equal with God. Then the Bible says this. 
Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They shall see thee, shall narrowly look upon thee, and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? And it shake the kingdoms. War broke out in heaven when Satan decided to ascend, and God throwed him out of heaven. Amen. And the angels fell, and a third of the angels fell with him. Now, I'm not going to get a lot in this, but the fallen angels fell into two classes. Second Peter 2, 4, And if God spare not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them in a change of darkness to be reserved under judgment. Part of that third of the angels is chained in reserves. And I have an idea of why they're there. And I won't run that rabbit, but I believe I know why they're there. Jude 1 said, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left on habitation, he had reserved an everlasting change under darkness into the judgment of the great day. But then may I say this, the remaining demons of hell are here doing Satan's bidding. Mark 5, 9, and, Lord, and he answered him and said, What is thy name? And he answered him saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. 1 Peter 4, 1, the Bible says, Now speak, Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times shall some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. God said in the last days, you'll see this spiritual warfare and seductive spirit become more and more and more evident. And so we need to realize all of creation at one time was in perfect harmony, but when Satan rebelled and was thrown out of heaven, I want you to know, it began a battle. And may I say, the Bible says, Satan cometh down having great wrath, for he knoweth he hath a short Time. You understand tonight, Satan realizes Jesus is coming. He probably realizes more Jesus is coming than you and I realize Jesus is coming. And he's coming with great wrath because he knows, man, I'm a running out of time. I'm a running out of time. Whatever he's going to do, he's got to get done. And so he seeks and there's a warfare raging. When we had Lord's Wisdom, we set aside three days. Now I want you to know that three days. Let me tell you up front. Them be the three hardest days you'll have on the job. Everything will go wrong. Every reason will come up. Everything will happen. I, I mean, everything will take place. But Satan wants to rob you. You know what Satan wants to do? He literally wants to rob you not just revival. He wants to rob the desire. He wants to knock you off this road that leads to revival. He said, Simon, Simon, Satan had desired. Number two, it's an ongoing of the fight. Satan had 
desired question. Question. Do you think Satan still wants to sift us as wheat? You think Simon was the only one? He still desires that. He's cast from heaven. He didn't get his throne. But I want you to know this. He didn't quit. He's not all powerful. He's not omniscient. He's not everywhere at the same time. But what he lacks in strength, he makes up in perseverance. I want you to know, Satan is no match for God. But understand this, there is no quit in him. He's not going to quit and run somewhere and hide. He's never going to quit. His pride and arrogance will let him do nothing but attack the born-again believer. If he can successfully bring down God with a frontal, if he can't do it from the front, then he'll look for another way. And so I believe there's six things. And I'm sure tonight you could add to this list. But I believe there's six things Satan specifically attacks. Number one. He attacks creation. Cast down from heaven. Satan immediately, immediately turned to the creation of God. Genesis 1.31 Satan will contaminate with the destruction of sin. Genesis chapter 3. Bible says, And a serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. He said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Subtle means cunning, deceptive. I believe we, let me stop here and say this. Most believe in this time, we, we look at how many like snakes. We fear snakes. And a few people maybe like snakes, but most fear snakes. But at one time, many believe the serpent stood upright. And many believe that he was a beautiful, he was a beautiful, creative animal. Many believe, many believe and have written that he may have been one of God's most beautiful creatures in the garden. Much less, see, we see after his curse. We never saw him before his curse. And the Bible says, And the serpent said unto them, When Satan entered the serpent, Ye shall not surely die. And he deceived her. And he tricked them. And by doing that, may I say, he started questioning God. His goal though, his goal though, is to destroy creation. In the beginning, God. The battle is not so much 
Adam and Eve, the battle is against God Himself. So He starts battling, starts attacking God's creation. Satan attacks the child of God. I see Him. Man, He's gloating. He's gloating. He watches as Eve takes of the fruit. And, and she gives, by, by the way, I, let me just help some of you. We, it's always depicted as an apple. Uh, there's, there's nothing in the Bible says it's an apple. I'm, I'm sorry. Some of you saw that in the book somewhere. And may I say, nothing says it's an apple. We really don't know what it was. Me, I, and I, I read one book one time where a man had done this great big study, and he said it was probably something more like an orange than an apple. But anyway, Satan watches even she protects the fruit and eats it. Then she handed it to him, and Satan's over here. He's watching Adam as he protects it. And all of a sudden, he is so excited. I believe Satan had a shout in him in the fact that he moved those God's greatest creation to defy him and rebel against him. And he was thrilled with that. He was thrilled with that. Satan attacks the Christ. Oh, let me, let me say, I, I, I thought this amazing. Amazing. The, the, the God's great creation. When God confronted him, I mean, here he is, he's a stellar of God's creation. I mean, he's walked with God in the cool of the day. And when God said, Adam, what'd you do? Here's what he said. He said, God, that woman you gave me, she gave, she got me in trouble. He did two things. He's first of all says, God's your fault. You had to give me that woman. I wouldn't have been in trouble. And then he seen that one go work. He said, it's that woman's fault. And I love this. I love this. Hey, ma'am, Miss Eve, what did you do? Well, the devil made me do it. And you know what the devil's doing? He's over here. He is thrilled. He's so excited. He's smiling from ear to ear. He has no problem for God to say, He didn't ask the devil, Who made you do it? Pronounced judgment on him. And so we realize he, he attacks the child of God. He attacks Christ. From the time he was born, there was a plot to kill him by, by, in his birth by Herod. There was a plot on the Roman cross. There was, there was a plot to kill him. And all through his life, there was a plot to kill him. Satan wanted, wanted to literally try to kill Christ. And if that wasn't enough, when he realized he couldn't kill him, he tried to kill his character. In Luke 4, and Jesus was led up in the wilderness by the Holy Spirit where he fasted for 40 days. 
and that and that past day of weakness, Satan came to him with his three big time temptations. And oh, listen, pay attention. This is where Satan tempts us. One, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh. If you be the Lord, turn these rocks into bread. The lust of the eyes, take them on a high pinnacle. Say, God's commanded. He'll, he'll, he'll call angels to take care of you. Then the pride of life. Just, here's the world. Here's the world. Just worship me. And may I say, he's wanted to do that today. The Lord passed every test. And he proved himself to be the perfect man. He attacks the creation, the child of God, the Christ. He attacks the creature. And it's amazing. Fallen and corrupted by sin, he finds people, and it's, and it's amazing, that can become pawns in the hand of Satan. He found such a man in Judas. Then entered Satan into Judas, uh, surname Escarot, being number of the twelve, being numbered with the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray unto him, betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Judas finances was more important than faith. He couldn't see the eternal for seeing the temporal. He couldn't see the spiritual for seeing the physical. Greed, greed grasped his heart. Hell grasped his soul. Notice something. And when the plot intensifies, as the momentum leaves Judas... The momentum moves to a nation. The momentum moved from Judas to a nation. And they said, away with him, away with him. Crucify him. His blood be on us and our children. All we see how Satan attaches, uh, attacks the creature. Now I say he attacks the Christian. Victory was already his when the soldiers placed his body in the tomb. Satan led the cheers of all the demons of hell. But three days later, he come out of that grave. And Satan began to weep. And Revelation said, I am he. That was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Satan then turns all of his attention to the blood-washed, born-again believers. Now, let, now let me help you. He cannot. Satan cannot ever steal my salvation if I'm saved. He can never change the fact. 
I'm a child of God, amen. He can never do that. But I'll tell you what he will do. He'll steal your testimony. I'll tell you what else he do. Job, uh, may I say, Lot was saved. The Bible says he was a, he was a righteous man, vexed his soul, and down in Sodom. He, he was a saved man. But boy, he didn't have no testimony. He couldn't even win his son-in-laws. He couldn't even win his son-in-laws. May I say, he'll steal your testimony. Oh, let me, hear me. He'll steal your joy. He'll steal your joy. I'll tell you what else he'll steal. He'll steal your peace of mind. He'll steal those things that you can't buy on a car lot. He'll steal those things that more money in the bank will give you. He'll steal those things that are bigger and better and more expensive. How he'll, he'll steal those things that are priceless. He'll steal your ability to pray and touch heaven. Boy, I thing, I, listen. May I say, if you're a saved, born-again Christian, I'm going to ask you a question. Do your best friends... Your best friends know you're a Christian. They they know you're saved. Are you ashamed to talk to them about the goodness of God? Oh, let me say this. Can people curse your God, sin openly, and be comfortable around you? I'm not wanting people to sin. I, I, I don't want them comfortable around me. I want something so different. I love this. We've been visiting so many times, and people be drinking, you know, and a beer or something, and, and I'll watch them as we walk up, and they'll slide that thing in behind the chair. They'll slide that thing over, and they'll, they'll try to hide it. And you know what I want to say? Say, Hallelujah! I don't want you comfortable. I don't want you comfortable. Whenever we walk up, I want you to come under conviction. Boys, does your best friend know you're a Christian? They know you love the Lord. Oh, I'm teaching that we're never going to win them. We'll never make a difference. Now listen, we'll never make a difference. Talking like them, acting like them, cussing like them, drinking like them, raising the devil like them, then you are like them and just quit kidding yourself, you just need to be saved. Amen. He attacks the Christian. Then he attacks the church. Satan is the body of... The uh, church is the body of Christ. So Satan attacks the body of Christ. Acts 12.1 And about the time Herod the king stretched forth his end to vex certain of the church... And I'll tell you how much he was determined to, to, to attack the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Killed him. And because he saw it pleased the, the Jews, he went to kill Peter as well. And of course, we know what happened there. God intervened. Satan's desire to see in the big picture is to destroy, to attack the, 
the house of God. And we need to be aware of it. Not only is there the origin of the fight, the ongoing of the fight, but may I say the outcome of the victory. Looking back over history, and the humanity of our world, we've been devastated by a lot of wars. Amen. Wars, um, it's, been a, it's, it's happened and it, we, we've seen it. And, but all the wars, the outcome of the fight had not been determined in the beginning. But our outcome is different. Our outcome of our, of our battles is we already know how it's going to end. I know now, while we're in the midst of the battle, while we're in the midst of the fight, while we're seeing the big picture, I already know the answer. There's a forecast of victory. Amen? Devil's doing all that he can, but may I say, he's still lost. Amen? Oh, I want you to know, Satan has, has laughed at the children of God. He's falsely accused the children of God. He comes before God falsely accusing them. But I know the end of the story. Praise God, we win. We win. I see a fulfillment of victory. Jesus 3.15, when, uh, when, when Satan tricked the first parents, God gave them... Genesis 3.15. And the Bible says this. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. And he shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. On Calvary, that verse became true. On Calvary, Satan, the Lord put the nails in Satan's coffin. And all he can do now... Because when Jesus said, it is finished, it's finished, praise God. And all Satan can do is come around trying his best to knock us off the road to revival. He's trying to keep you from having the victory that is rightfully yours. Thought about this all day. I'm not judge. But I'm not blind. I know there was several this morning that the Lord so graciously and in a very special way touched. Some I hadn't seen God touch in a long time. But they couldn't hide it. They just couldn't hide it. God was doing the work. But they left. And I wondered all day long, did they leave defeated? Or did they go home and find a place in the bedroom and say, oh God, you spoke to my heart and done business with God. I don't know, but I know God wanted to give them the victory. Then in Revelation 21, 2 and 4, the Bible says at the end of this thing, and John saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride for her, her husband. 
I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And I will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. God said, Peter, Simon, Simon, let me unfold the heaven and show you the big picture. Now next week, we want to look on this next step of revival. But tonight, do you see the big picture? See, if we, Satan loves this. Satan loves to take each one of us and get us complacent. He, he wants to get us comfortable. Satan, if he can, he wants to rock us to sleep and say, I don't believe it's spiritual warfare. There ain't nothing you worry about. You're saved. You're okay. It's all right. Don't, don't you worry about it. You just go ahead and take it easy. And, and you just sleep away. And, and, and you just take care of yourself. You, you know, you just take care of yourself. You'll be all right. And Satan loves to get us complacent and apathetic and not concerned. Because he knows tonight that if a group of people will start seeking God for revival... God will give revival. So he tries his best to, to put you in a fight to hinder that. That's all standard of feet. Every head bowed, never eye closed.